Good morning, everyone. Again, it's good to see you. Currently, we've been looking at the three stages of spiritual growth outlined for us in the gospel and to in John's first epistle. In John chapter two, he identifies three levels of spiritual growth: little children, young men, and spiritual fathers. And then he gives certain characteristics that are associated with each one of those stages of spiritual growth. Let's read the text this morning and then we'll get right into it. Okay, is that okay with you all? All right, good. Hear now the word of God. I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins have been forgiven you for his namesake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who has been from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I have written to you, children, because you know the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him who has been from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong, the word of God abides in you, and that you have overcome the evil one. That finishes the reading of God's holy and inspired word. Now, again, we all start our spiritual journeys as little children or babes in Christ. And we see that the apostle outlines for us that as babes in Christ, we have confidence that our sins are forgiven. And we find this union with God to be able to call him father, Abba, father, daddy, daddy. So this morning... It's important for you to identify if you have actually begun this spiritual journey. Do you have confidence that your sins are forgiven? Not because of your work and your merit, but because God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. Have you placed your faith in Christ so you can have confidence to know that God has forgiven you of your sins? And no longer is God some estranged God out in the distance of the cosmos, but rather he is your father, your heavenly father. We see that as we grow in our faith, the apostle teaches us that we become spiritual adolescents, what he calls young men. And of course, when he says young men, he's talking about men and women, young adults in Christ. And here we see that young adults in Christ have developed a spiritual strength. They abide in the word of God and they overcome temptations from the devil, the world, and even their own flesh. So again, let's take a moment to evaluate our own spiritual lives to see if we are young adults in Christ. That we have really gained a sense of spiritual strength in our life. It's not like we're tossed to and fro anymore. Is that we really have a sense of stability in our, in our Christian lives and our Christian thinking. And that we are really abiding in the word of God. That the word of God is something that we really digest on. It's something that we really consume into our, word, into our lives. It's not just something that we wait to hear on Sunday morning. And of course that we've grown in strength and in the knowledge of the word of God so that we might overcome the temptations that come into our lives. Temptations that come to us from the devil, the world, and mostly even from our own flesh. 
These are the characteristics of a young adult in Christ. This morning we come to the final stage of spiritual growth, spiritual fathers in Christ. This last week I had the privilege to be able to attend our annual general assembly of our denomination up in Atlanta where all the presbyters came throughout the, uh, North America, uh, United States and Canada to be able to worship together and enjoy seminars, to be able to do the business of the church. Now, in those meetings, when it, as it is in our own regional presbytery, when someone is going to speak to the crowd, the way they begin is by saying this to the audience. Fathers and brothers, mothers and sisters. And then they continue. Fathers and brothers, mothers and sisters. Now, of course, this type of greeting is showing respect to our elders. But more than that, it's underscoring the expectation that as a person grows in their natural age, there is an expectation that they're going to grow spiritually. We all begin as babes in Christ, but as time goes on, from that time that we are born again, then we begin to develop into young adults in Christ. And as time goes on, we will eventually become fathers and mothers. This is a natural expectation that we have within our natural life, a babe to a young adult to become parent. And this is the same way it is in our spiritual lives. In the same way you expect these things from your kids, that they're going to grow from young children to young adults and one day be parents themselves. So there is this expectation spiritually that that's what's going to happen to you. And as weird as it might be or sound that a person would remain as a babe all their life living in their parents' basement. So it should sound strange to us that a person in their spiritual life don't continue to develop in Christian maturity. It was this expectation that the writer of Hebrews had that I shared with you a couple weeks ago when the writer tells his readers, by this time you ought to be teachers. By this time you ought to be teachers. You see, there is a considerable amount of time had gone on since these people had come to saving faith in Christ the writer of Hebrews was intimately involved in their spiritual development, but something had happened. They didn't develop. By this time, natural time, days, weeks, months, and years, by this time, you ought to be teachers. You, you ought to be spiritual parents. But because of their dullness of hearing, because they were on a milk-only diet, these believers were still at the baby stage of their spiritual development. And as I shared with you a couple weeks back, the, the writer of Hebrews is frustrated because he wants to teach them the depths of God's Word, but he knows that they're still living in, in their parents' basement, that they haven't developed Spiritually. The point is 
is that as a, as a believer progresses in natural age, they should also be progressing in spiritual maturity. No longer have you been, a, the longer you've been a believer, the longer, the higher the expectation of your spiritual maturity. If you've been a believer for five years, then there is a certain expectation on your spiritual maturity. But if you've been a believer for five, for 10, 20, 30 plus years, then there's a much higher expectation of your spiritual maturity. This is natural. Now, in our text this morning, the Apostle John identifies the main characteristic of a spiritual father. And he tells us the main characteristic of a spiritual father is one who has known him who is from the beginning. Now, the apostle states this characteristic twice. Each time he speaks to the father, he's speaking, he says this, you have known him who is from the beginning. He offers no other characteristic for the spiritual father. So what we conclude from this is for the apostle John, a spiritual father is one who has grown in his or her faith where they truly have confidence in God's sovereignty in all things. Maybe their life verse is that they have been predestined according to God's purpose who works all things after the counsel of his will. And, and that we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, those who are called according to his purposes. A spiritual father has confidence in the sovereignty of God. Now listen, we're all going to go through difficult times. The unexpected death of a loved one, an automobile accident, a bad diagnosis, financial hardship, the loss of a job, the ending of a career. These things happen. They happen to all of us. And when you go through times like this, if you are like me, and I think you're a lot like me, it, you kind of journey through this fog. You're journeying through the fog. And you're really wanting to trust the sovereignty of God. But sometimes you get a little bit off track. Eventually, if you continue to seek God, you'll come out on the other end in the clear day and you'll be able to give praise to God for his sovereignty in all things. Amen? As in I told you a hundred times, the best time to prepare your yourself for bad times is now. The best time to prepare yourself for bad times is when it's good times. And during those times, you really do immerse yourself into God's word. You really seek God in prayer. You're really striving to become spiritually mature because you know that eventually a bad day is going to come. And you want to be that guy who has confidence in the sovereignty of God. I don't know why this is happening to me right now, but I'm going to trust God to bring me out of the fog of my despair and bring me into the light of his glory. Amen. Do that. Do it now. 
No matter what stage of your spiritual growth you are at. Now, even though having confidence in the sovereignty of God is the only characteristic listed by the Apostle John, we see that the New Testament offers additional insights of what it means to be a spiritual parent. And one of the best examples of a spiritual parent, I believe, is the Apostle Paul and his investment into the spiritual growth of others. The Apostle Paul testified of his fatherly investment into others when he wrote to the church of Thessalonica these words. You are witnesses, and so is God, how devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behave towards you believers. Just as you know how we were exhorting and encouraging and imploring each of you as a father would to his own children, so that you would walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Now, I want you to notice that Paul's ministry of a, of a spiritual father was intentional. And it was clearly evident. Clearly evident to God and to man. When the apostle writes, you are witnesses and so is God. His ministry to others as a spiritual father was right out in the open. It was main, a main point in his ministry. Paul was not an absentee father to the young believers at the church of Thessalonica. Paul took paternal responsibility for each one. Notice it says, the text says, each one of you. So he took this responsibility for each one of the believers in the church of Thessalonica. But sad to say, there are a lot of absentee fathers, absentee parents in the church today. When I say absentee parent, I'm referring to Christians that mature Christians had poured their life into. Mature Christians have invested in them the knowledge of God's word, had prayed with them, had walked with them and journeyed with them. But instead of utilizing this great treasure that had been invested in them, these believers willingly neglect their role as a spiritual parent. Sad to say, there are too many Christians today that have received the spiritual investment of others, but whom selfishly reject the opportunities in the church to invest their lives into other people. These people, basically, these absentee parents, they reject the pay-it-forward philosophy. They, for, they don't, do not participate in passing the baton to the next generation. As a matter of fact, just forget passing the baton. They're not even participating in the race. But the Apostle Paul is not going to squander the spiritual investment that others had made into his life. Paul proclaimed Christ 
He admonished every man, teaching every man with all wisdom, so that he may present every man complete in Christ. It was for that purpose he labored, striving according to God's power, which mightily worked within him. Paul saw himself as a spiritual father who exhorted, encouraged, and implored younger Christians to walk worthy of God. Now, all parents recognize that there's a degree of admonishments that we give to our kids. It usually starts with a simple exhortation, but then when these simple exhortations are ignored, then we kick it up a gear and we give a strong encouragement. And then when these strong encouragements are ignored, then we get really serious and we kick it in the overdrive and we implore them to listen to our warnings, to listen to our instructions. Now, a a common example of this escalation of entreaty is seen in earthly parents in their issuing of warnings to their children. For me, it went like this. Brian, be careful. That was a simple exhortation. Brian Lee, be careful. That's a strong encouragement. Brian Lee Kelso, be careful. That's, that is begging me. We've all, how, how many parents have, have done that, have pulled that card? Yeah, it's a common thing. And in the same way we do that to our natural children, that's basically what Paul is saying is happening in our spiritual parenting as well. We basically speak into our children's lives Usually beginning simply and then a little bit stronger and then with full force. See, spiritual fathers and mothers, they exhort, they encourage, they employ their spiritual children under their charge to walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his kingdom and to his glory. And younger believers must seek the Lord for a receptive heart to allow their spiritual parents to speak into their lives. As the Holy Spirit inspired Solomon in the book of Proverbs, hear, my son, your father's instructions, and do not forsake your mother's instructions. Indeed, they are a graceful reef on your, to your head and adornments around your neck. That's the way it is in, with our earthly parents. So you students that are here, you hear the word of God. But it's also the way it is with our spiritual parents. We are to give heed or hear our father's instructions. We should never forsake our mother's teachings. Now, personally, I've been blessed to have several spiritual fathers in my life. From Dr. Henry Evans to Brother Jim Kane to Reverend Rod Whited 
to Dr. Bill Iverson. God has always surrounded me with spiritual fathers to speak into my life. As I mentioned to you this last week, I was at General Assembly and two of my spiritual fathers were in attendance and I made it a point to seek them out and to spend time with them for them to speak to me. Now, sometimes their words have been very practical. Sometimes their words have been theological and and really guiding me to the Word of God. And I have to say, sometimes their speaking to me was very, very personal. I'll tell you a time we were at a presbytery meeting years ago and the whole debate was how we're going to examine men for the gospel ministry whose language, English isn't their first, their first language. And I know that that uh, might become hard for you to, to understand that there would be any problem with this, but there were was real issues because there was a real group in the Presbytery that says that these guys should be able to speak English, or as what others called American. But we had these guys coming into the presbytery who were trained and called, and, but English wasn't their first language, so when it came down to the exams that we give, it, English was difficult for them. But if we offered the exam in their own native tongue, it's no problem. Anyway... I, uh, when you speak at Presbytery, you have to come down to the microphone. There's usually a microphone that's down here in front. And again, as I mentioned, you, you come to the microphone, you say, oh, fathers and brothers, and then you begin your position. And I gave my position, and, and I went back to my seat, and, and Bill Iverson, my spiritual dad, was sitting there. And I was looking for some sort of like, you go, boy, yeah, you know, type of thing. I didn't really get anything from him. So I thought, okay, I'll just wait till after the meeting's over with. So after the meeting's over, you know, I have to say, you know, selfishly, I sought him out because I wanted him to say, you're my guy, you're my boy, way to go. And so, he, so we finally got together and he said, Brian, when you got up there on the floor of Presbytery to say what you were going to say, I noticed that you've gotten so fat, <laughs> it was hard to see around you. He's my dad. He's my spiritual daddy. I went on a diet that day. And when I saw him at the General Assembly last week, he reminded me of that story. Sometimes their words are practical. Sometimes they're theological and biblical. Sometimes they're very personal. But regardless... These men speak into, their li- into our lives, and they're invaluable for our spiritual growth and development. Let me encourage you this morning to always have three people in your life. Spiritual fathers, spiritual peers, and a young believer. Now, you might not be able to handle a lot of relationships, but you should have those three relationships in your life. 
There's, you should always have a spiritual father. And let me just say, the older you get, <laughs> they, drop their, they start dropping off. Spiritual fathers. You should, you should have a spiritual peer. Someone that's basically around your age, going through the same stage of life that you're going through. Basically, similar stage of spiritual growth. Someone that you, know, that you just really talk to as a brother and sister. And then lastly, a young believer. A young believer that you can invest in sharing the things that have been invested into you. You, you, Do you know how much a revival there would be in this church if you would just take that seriously? If each one of you would just do that. Have three people in your life. A spiritual father, spiritual peer, and young believer. Now, I want you to notice that Paul's fatherly advice was just not in word, but also in deed. Paul writes, you are witnesses, and so is God, how devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behave towards you believers. As a spiritual father, Paul proved to be an example to the flock, and spiritual parents make Investments into others, not only by talking the talk, but by walking the walk. Amen. Now, I think the best example of this fatherly investment into others' lives is seen in the relationship between Paul and Timothy. Now, clearly, Paul considered Timothy to be his spiritual son. Paul wrote in his first epistle to Timothy... To Timothy, my true child in the faith. And again, in his second epistle, he writes, To Timothy, my beloved son. Now, we know that Timothy was raised in a Christian home under the guidance of his Christian mother, Lois, and his Christian grandmother, Eunice. And it seems that Timothy's father wasn't a believer. But from childhood, Timothy had been taught the Bible... And he probably came to saving faith through the preaching of the Apostle Paul during Paul's first missionary journey when Paul visited his town. Now, by the time that Paul got back around to Timothy's hometown on his second missionary journey, the scripture tells us in Acts 16 that Timothy had grown as a disciple of Christ. And that he was well spoken of by the older believers in the church. And Paul recognized Timothy's spiritual growth. And he recruited Timothy to go with him on his second missionary journey and even beyond that. Timothy was his spiritual protege. And after years of investing into Timothy's life, Paul sent Timothy to serve as the pastor of the church of Ephesus. And this morning I want to go through some of the verses in 1st and 2nd Timothy that show Paul's fatherly advice to his spiritual son, Timothy. And as I read these verses, I want you to hear the paternal passion that Paul had for his beloved son. This is a way, this is the way A spiritual father 
speaks to his son. Hear now the word of God. This command I entrust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you fight the good fight. Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself an example of those who believe. Until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and teaching. Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed on you through the prophetic utterance with the laying upon of hands by the presbytery. Take pains with these things, be absorbed in them, so that your progress will be evident to all. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Persevere in all things, for as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. Man of God, pursue righteousness, faith, Godliness, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you have been called and you made a, and made a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. O Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you. Avoid worldly and empty chatter. Retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure that has been entrusted to you. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things that you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust these things to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Be diligent. To present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. Avoid worldly and empty chatter, for it will lead to further ungodliness and their talk will spread like gangrene. Now flee from youthful lust and pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Follow my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, persecutions, and suffering. You continue the things that you've learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. That from childhood you had known the sacred writings which is able to lead you in wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instructions. But you, be sober in all things. Endure hardship. Do the work of evangelists. Fulfill your ministry. Now that's a dad chat right there. Imagine if you had somebody speaking into your life like that. That's daddy's advice. And notice how he's not only challenging him and the things that he's learned, but he's looking at the things that Timothy's learned as an investment that was put into him. 
And he's saying, listen, there's been a big treasure that's been put into you. So how are you going to share the treasure? Are you going to pass it on? Are you going to give it to somebody? Let everybody see your diligence in this area. At least, hopefully, I hope you can see that Paul's relationship with Timothy was not casual. It was no coffee cake Christianity relationship. It was no church hall fellowship relationship. This was intense. This was a father speaking to his son that his son would speak into others. Paul and Timothy's relationship, it was intentional. It was deliberate. Paul looked at Timothy as his true child in the faith. And that Timothy was his, and that he was Timothy's spiritual father. And he was not going to pawn his paternal responsibility off on some spiritual surrogate. Paul was Timothy's dad. And he was going to speak into his life as his spiritual son so that he would walk in a manner worthy of God. As we conclude this morning, I first of all want you to consider where, where are you on the spiritual chart? First of all, I, I, I must begin, are, are you a Christian today? Have you heard the good news that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son? That if you believe upon him, believe upon Christ's accomplishments, that you will be saved? Have you heard the good news that God knows you don't have the ability to please him? So he sent the only one who ever pleased him totally, absolutely. He sent his own son for you. Are you a Christian today? Have you asked Christ into your life to be your Savior and Lord? Have you surrendered yourself of self and asked the Lord for the forgiveness of sins? Are you a Christian today? If God is speaking to your heart today, drawing you to himself, I would encourage you to lay down and let God. Claim Christ as your Savior, your friend, the Redeemer of the needy. Claim him as your Lord, your Savior. In a few minutes, I'm going to pray, and you can pray along with me. That prayer is not as important as God speaking to your, to your heart right now today. I would ask you that if God is working your heart, bringing you to saving faith, that you would come forward after the service is over and make a clear profession of faith to the elders that are here ready to welcome you. If that's happening to you, you'll become a spiritual babe in Christ, a little child having confidence that your sins have been forgiven you and that God is your Father. But if you're a Christian here today, I really want you to consider your spiritual growth. I'm going to ask you
to ask God to reveal to you what you need to continue your growth in Christ. Becoming spiritually stagnant is not a surprise. We all go through seasons in our life where we become spiritually stagnant. But we need an infusion, if you would. We need an outpouring, if you would. We need a a fresh roaring, if you would, of the Holy Spirit in our lives to burn away our slumber so that we might put ourselves back on the track of spiritual growth. So I'm asking you to seek God today. What do you need to do to continue in your spiritual growth? I want to challenge you this morning to have three relationships in your life. Spiritual father or mother, spiritual peer, and a young believer. And I'm I'm going to ask you to to do this intentionally. That you actually go up to a a more mature brother and say, I'm asking if you would be my spiritual dad. And then you and God and him can figure out the rest. You intentionally go up to a Spiritual peer says, listen, can we be brothers? I mean, real brothers in Christ. Can, can, I, can I call you, you know, during the course of the week and we can pray together? And then you'd search out a young believer and say, listen, I, I, I think God brought us together in this, this church so that so we could grow together in Christ. I want to let you know I'm here for you. You know, when I first came into this presbytery, there were guys that said, you know, you need, to, you need to hang out with Bill Iverson. I didn't know Bill. I'd never met him. But after I met him, and I, I really thought that was good advice. So I went down to Miami, and I told Bill I, I really wanted him to be my spiritual dad. And I asked him, I said, can I come down here every Tuesday and basically just carry your bag? Wherever you go, I'll go. Whatever you do, I'm going to do. I just want to hang out with you on Tuesdays. And he said, yeah. And I did that for three years. And he taught me some invaluable things about evangelism, about prayer, about having a heart for the loss. Things that I would have never gained, I think, in my study. My, my point is, is that I intentionally ask for that relationship. We don't get to choose our natural parents, but we can choose our, our spiritual ones. Don't neglect it. Lastly, I want to challenge you that regardless of what stage you are in your spiritual growth, that you would sincerely seek to invest your lives into others. You might be sitting there thinking, well, I don't know enough to make an impact on anyone else. The fact is, though, there's always someone that knows less than you, and there's always someone that knows more than you. That's, that's how I got through Greek and Hebrew in seminary. I thought, man, there had to be some guys in this class that knew less than I did. And if they can pass, then I can pass. Brothers and sisters, there's always people in your life that know less than you and people that know more than you. It's your decision whether you're going to dial in with them or not. Let me just make a simple suggestion. You don't think you know enough? A great way to invest your lives into others is through teaching children's 
Sunday school. It gets you into the Word of God. You're able to familiarize yourself with a lesson. There's no real, no real, no real struggle here. I mean, you're with a bunch of kids. Uh, you know, if things start going wrong, just bring out the cookies and the popsicles. I mean, you know. But the fact is, is that they definitely know less than you. They're not going to be asking you questions about superlapsarianism. So if, if you're at that point, well, just start investing into the lives of children. But invest your lives into somebody. Why? Because we want to invest our lives into others so that we all would grow in the knowledge so that we would be able to walk in a manner worthy of God. Amen? Let's pray. Lord God, we come to you today thanking you for the good news of your son so that we might have confidence to know that our sins are forgiven. Jesus, today I believe that you're speaking to my heart about me surrendering my life to you. Lord, I bow down to you. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. Come into my life. Surrender me. I surrender myself to you. Save me from myself and my sin. Claim me as a child, your child. And as your children, Lord, search our hearts to see really where we're at in, our, in the spiritual growth chart. And help us, Lord, to really invest our lives into others. Lord, I, I admit to you that it's easy to become dull of hearing. It's easy to stay on the milk-only diet. But Lord, I really do want to grow. And I pray, Lord, that I would make the steps, that you would give me a dose of your Holy Spirit, that I would make the step to incorporate people into my life that would see me grow and walk in a manner that's worthy of the glory of God. And we pray these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen.